Glad you're here. Welcome to New Life. Especially if you're visiting with us, we are so thankful you're here. Um, if you're listening online or however you found us today, um, we are really glad to, to have you. Um, you know what we believe around here. Many of you who, who come to church on a regular basis know that we believe um, you're not here by accident today. And whether you believe what we believe and you're, or you're still kind of kicking the tires on this thing, um, we want to give you a chance today to make a connection with God. And uh, I think you're in a good place for that. Um, weather's beautiful. You have... You have other places you could be, um, and uh, I do too. My family are actually is my family's at Shackamack State Park right now. I uh, took them over to uh, to the park yesterday and drugged the camper and the bikes and literally drugged the bikes. They actually ended up dragging on the ground for a while on our trip. And you know you pull over and people come by and honk at you and had that whole day yesterday and then got up real early this morning, drove all the way back over here just to be with you and um, and I'm, I'm it's worth it. It is worth it. I'm glad to be here. And uh, glad, no place I'd rather be on my birthday, um, with the exception of maybe with my family, and I'm going to get to do this and then do that. I'm going back to Shackamack. So really glad to be here and uh, honored to, to get a chance to speak with you today. Um, if you're visiting with us or if you're listening online and you haven't heard before, this is kind of what we do. We come together here at church, but our church is a little different than maybe what you grew up with or what you've heard about. Um, we don't believe that this is what God wants for your life. Um, that all he want, we don't believe that all he wants for you is to sit in a pew and listen to a guy talk for an hour, maybe sing a little bit of music. That really that's not what God wants for your life. And um, truthfully, uh, it, he really, what he really wants for you is to have a communication with you on a regular basis. And this is a good opportunity for you to kind of put your life on pause if you had a remote control. And if you're like me, you've had a kind of week, I don't do this full time, um, I kind of wish I could. Um, but I don't do this full-time. I have a job. I own a company in Bloomington, and um, if you're like me, man, sometimes you just need a pause. You just need a break to remember why you're here, what you're doing, maybe get some fresh perspective. That's what church is about. It's about getting a fresh breath. It's about taking a deep breath and coming together as a family and reminding each other of who we are, but then really the real job of, uh, that God wants you to do with your life is just to connect with Him on a regular basis um, every day, and so we're hoping that you leave here today with a closer connection with God, maybe to, to get a little bit better understanding about God, because some of us have totally missed the boat on who God is, um, and, uh, and a lot of that has to do with guys like me who have stood up and messed it up. So I've already prayed this morning, had a long drive here to pray that I would not mess that up, um, and uh, that you would get to hear who God really is today and a little bit more of how it applies to your life. So before we get started, um, we do this every week too, just a quick deep breath, a time to kind of stop. Um, you're going to hear babies, but other than that, it, it may be the quietest time you've, heard, you've had all week. Um, just 30 seconds, a minute or so, um, and then I'll close us in prayer, and then we'll dive right into what God wants to say to us today. Let's pause a minute. God, I don't know what brought each of us into this room today, but you do. I believe that firmly, not because it's a nice thing to say or I saw it on a Hallmark card somewhere, but because I've seen it in my life that when I put you in charge, things make a little more sense. 
And I, I really don't know what brought people in today, God, but I pray that whatever it is, that you would, you would find us in a place where we can be attentive. As we always say, we know that you, have, you could speak today. You could say something literally, like verbally, or you could do something like an earthquake or shake the building somehow, but you don't choose to do that usually, never in my lifetime. And you've explained that the reason for that is that you want to speak in a small voice so that we have to turn down our lives to hear you. So we choose that. In the midst of all the loud voices in our life, we choose the small one. Would you speak to us today in, a, in whatever way you need to? God, I pray that you would make me worthy of standing up here today. There's not a person in this room today who doesn't know that I don't have any business standing up in this stage. Not, not if it were just about me and my intelligence or my ability or my goodness. So God, oh, we all want to hear from you today and I just get to be the one to be the mouthpiece. Would you clean me up to make me worthy of that today? And we, would you speak to all of us? In your son's name, amen. So we're in a series called Stronger. Um, it's a big series. We've been doing this for six, seven months now. Um, and it has, it is, <laughs> we're coming to the end of it. We've got, after this week, we have two more weeks of this entire series and we are done. Um, you're going to hear things today, references to things that I've said in the last six months. If you're listening online or if you're here today and you haven't heard of the rest of those sermons, they are all available at paragonnewlifecc.com. Um, all of those sermons are out there, the notes and everything. Um, and we have a lot of people out listening to them. would love for you to be too if you'd like to. Um, and uh, it, what's nice about listening online is that if it's a 45-minute sermon, you don't have to do it like you do on Sundays. You can do 20 minutes here and 20 minutes there and break it up into normal sermons like normal preachers preach, and, and, uh, or you can listen to it all at once, however you want to do. But we're glad you're here today, and I, I want to share with you a little bit about a stronger life, um, about, about what God says about getting a stronger life. And you know you need it. You know you want a stronger life. Um, we've been talking about being stronger in a lot of different ways, and you can go out to this website. Um, next slide there, Tanya. Um, Stronger-me.com. Um, all kinds of free resources out there for you. Um, lots of opportunities for you to kind of dig in. Tanya, can you advance that slide? Um, www.stronger-me.com. Um, please come find me if you have any problems with that. But um, all kinds of opportunities for you to connect deeper with God even than what you're going to get to do today. But what we're talking about during this kind of end of the series is, is learning from our mistakes. It's getting stronger. It's, it's part of why God has put us on this planet to, 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 to walk through our lives, to make these little mistakes or sometimes big mistakes, and to, to come out different, to come out better, to make better choices next time. And what we said last week, I'm going to kind of cover real quick um, that next slide, is that we learn from our mistakes in the areas that matter the least. You know, everybody, if you've got a smartphone, everybody texted somebody and ended up texting all their contacts, you know, right at the beginning. Or you sent an email and you meant for it to go to your mom and it went to all your coworkers, you know, or whatever it was. You make that mistake usually once, maybe twice. And then you learn. And, and those things matter, but not as much as the big mistakes. And in, when it comes to the big mistakes... We repeat our mistakes in the areas that matter most, the areas that have to do with our relationships, with our lives, with our existence. And I want to talk about that today. Um, last week we talked about three myths um, that, that, uh, that 
as it involves these areas in our lives where we just keep making mistakes. And I've been getting emails and texts from you, some of them not so happy with me on some of these things, because many of you believe that you are exempt from these. That in your case, if you could say it, you would say, John, I, I know that you're talking to a lot of people, but you're not talking to me. And what you would like to do is come up here on stage, and you believe that if everybody could hear your story, everybody in the room would go, oh, except you. <laughs> but that's just not true. This happens no matter what experience you've had, no matter how bad it's been. This is, these are myths that, myths that cause us to, keep, to quit learning from our mistakes. So we, we have this myth that the world calls the experience myth, and I'm not going to dig into these because I did that last week, and feel free to go out and, and listen to that. But the experience myth is this, that just having an experience will make me better next time. That just having an experience, I won't make the same mistakes I've made before, and that's just dumb. Actually, we actually have a phrase that people say, um, you know, you get wiser with experience, right? But it's just not true. With experience, you get older, for sure. <laughs> with experience, you get grumpier, you get madder, you get more frustrated. But n not necessarily do you get wiser. Only with evaluated experience do you get wiser. And it's a myth that just going through something makes you better the next time. The no better myth, uh, myth I, I, this cracks me up too, we say this all the time, that somehow we believe that because we know better now, because I know that I shouldn't do this, means that next time I won't, doesn't automatically mean you're going to have the self-control, it doesn't, many of us have been seeing cigarette um, ads for the last 10 years that talk about lung cancer and all those things, you know better, but you just can't, can't keep doing better necessarily, so knowing better does not necessarily equal doing better, and then the time myth, that we talked about this last week, where we believe that time is against us. That especially when we make a mistake, especially when we, whether it's a divorce, whether it's a, a bad relationship, a bad job, a bad situation um, at work or home or relationship somewhere, whatever it is, we believe that if we could just kind of get back on the horse, that's the phrase we use, isn't it? Like I've fallen off the horse and now I'm going to get back on the horse, which is just a weird thing to say. Because it, what, we, what we don't realize, and it is a myth to believe I, I, the time is against me, I've got to get back on the horse right now if I'm going to start over. Because what we find in our lives, and this happens over and over, and the older I get, the more I start to see this, that time is actually an ally to you. And if, you're, if you find your place, yourself today in a place where you're starting over, or you've got family that's starting over, maybe it's a job, maybe you're starting a brand new job and you've made mistakes in the past, or maybe you believe it's all their fault, it's not your fault, we're going to talk about that this morning. Um, whatever it is, relationships, if you find yourself in a place where you're starting over today, time is actually on your side. And if you can pause, it will bring clarity to your life. And so these are some myths that we've talked about. But what I want to do is over the next, today and the next two weeks, I want to talk about three, um, three things to ensure that the next time, when you start over this time, that the next time won't happen the way this time happened. So if, you, if you've been through a terrible divorce, or if you've been through an awful job playing, or you've been through a, just an awful financial situation, that you can look at this and go, okay, so I made these terrible financial decisions, or maybe something bad happened to me. What can I do to ensure that next time won't be like last time? And here are three things I want to talk about over the next three weeks. And I believe if you can internalize this thing, even if you don't believe in God, even if you're not sure you totally get that whole thing, if you can internalize this, if you can internalize these three things, you, this is a game changer. This is a real game changer for your life. It's an amazing opportunity for you to look at these things and go, okay, how can I ensure that I don't keep making the same mistakes over and over? So I, I, I keep doing it in some ways that don't matter as much. And man, it happened to me yesterday. Um, so I've been camping at, at Shackamack since I was a kid. 
little tiny kid. And I had a problem with bikes. My whole life I've had a problem with bikes. I guess I'm kind of klutzy. I just tend to make mistakes on bikes and I get... And I remember as a kid, in fact, I can pull into the Shackamack State Park and I see that sign, and I remember, I can pull around a corner and go, yep, I wrecked there, <laughs> yep, hit that tree, <laughs> yep, yep, went into that pond, you know, and I, I just I made all the, I'm just not a good bike rider, you know, I, and I, I never was, and I just keep forgetting that I can't do it. So yesterday, I, uh, I'm, uh, I, I was out getting some charcoal on the grill, we were getting ready to eat, and my, my son, Reese, comes running back and he says, Dad, Dad, Dad. You've got you to gotta come over here. There's a snake, a six-foot black snake over here, which in Reese language, that's four and a half feet maybe, and, you know, and it could be a stick. So, um, so but the, man, the, by looking at his eyes and the rest of the kids, I mean, they, they, Dad, we want you to see this snake. And of course, I, I like to see a snake from a distance. So I, I, my, my wife's bike is sitting there, you know, basket, pretty frilly, but, and I thought, you know, I can just ride down there and take a look at this snake, and I thought, plus, a good opportunity for me to impress Reese. When he sees me hop on this bike, even though it's a girl's bike, I'm going to take off really fast and just like spin the tire a little bit, and Reese will go, wow, dad's awesome. I still have that in me. I want that. So I jump on Reese's girly bike, or London, or Rish's girly bike, jump on hit the pedal, and I think I'm going to do that thing where you hit the pedal real hard, spin the tire sideways a little bit, and then you get your other foot on I hit the pedal and the chain snapped. And when it did, I went right over the handlebars like America's Funniest Home Videos. I mean, I thought, every time I've seen AFV, I thought, that doesn't really happen. How does that, it, it works. You, man, if, if, you're, if you hit the pedal and you expect to do something and you don't, you just go right over the top of the handlebars. And my son loves me so much, and he thinks I am Superman. I went over those handbars, and he looks at me, and I'm lo looking right up at him, and he goes, Dad, did you mean to do that? <laughs> Shut up, son. You know? I, the truth is, man, I, I can't tell you how many times I've jumped on a bike thinking I can do this. How many times I've jumped on a bike and thought, I'm going to impress my son, I'm going to impress my wife, I'm going to impress my girlfriend when I was nine years old, and then made myself look like an idiot. And I can't tell you how many times in my life I've done the same thing. Where I go into a new job and I think, you know what? Last time it was all Kentucky Fried Chicken's fault. This time, Hardee's, I'm going to nail it. It wasn't me, it was them. And then I realize, you know what? Hardee's has a problem too. <laughs> and then so does Wendy's. And so does my next job. And so does my next job. And I come to a point in my life, and this is what I'm hoping you come to do today. That some of the mistakes in your life, if not all of the mistakes in your life, have a common denominator. It's you. Everywhere you go, you seem to follow. And all these mistakes that you've made or have been made to you, maybe you're sitting here going, you don't understand, it wasn't my fault. There's still this common denominator, and I want to talk about that today. And over the next three weeks, I want to talk about three things you can do. You can own it, you can rethink it, and you can release it. And we're going to talk about that over the next three weeks. But today I want to talk about owning it. Here's what I mean by owning it. Your best bet for a successful future. Now, I believe this is a spiritual endeavor. I believe that this is a spiritual principle in our lives. But you don't have to believe this is spiritual. You don't have to believe this comes from God because we've proven it through history that your best bet for a successful future is to own your share of the past. Now, that sounds pretty and it looks maybe good on a Hallmark card, but you don't do it. And I don't do it very often. Because here's why, here's why we don't do this very often. Because how can I own 
my share of the fault for past mistakes when it was all their fault. It's all their fault, right? Every time. I want to talk about today what it means to own it and what it means to blame others for the stuff that we do in our lives. In fact, if you find yourself blaming people, then um, you're just human, truthfully. You're part of the human race because it's what we do. I want to tell you a story today um, about the first two humans. And I I want to caveat a little bit about this. I don't want to go too far down this road. But when it comes to the story of Adam and Eve, this is a story that people have had a problem with for a long time, especially if you're not sure you believe the Bible, especially if you're not sure you even believe in God. The story of Adam and Eve, two naked people in a garden, you know, thousands and thousands, possibly millions of years ago, people start to go, well, you know, that, that's just myth. In fact, you know, when I was growing up, I grew up in church, and all my Sunday school teachers, my dad, all the people in my life who I loved would tell me, you know, the, the story of Adam and Eve, and I just became to believe it. And maybe you're sitting in the pew today and you go, yeah, that's kind of me. I just kind of believed it my whole life. Or maybe you had freshman English with the same freshman English teacher I had. Because <laughs> I'll never forget, I had this freshman English teacher who, who taught us the story of Adam and Eve as a myth that was alongside the rest of the myths about the beginning of the world all throughout history. And I left her class going, well, my mama was wrong. My Sunday school teacher was wrong. I left her class going, well, she's a genius, and I'm not. I, I, I guess she's right, and I'm wrong. If you're here today, and you believe the Adam and Eve story is like maybe not all the way true or whatever, I, need, I want you to know something about Christians, okay? And, and this is a great insight if you're kind of kicking the tires on the Jesus thing. We don't believe the Adam and Eve story is true because it's in the Bible. We believe the Adam and Eve story is true because Jesus believed the Adam and Eve story was true. He talks about the Adam and Eve story. Now, he doesn't mention the exact same things that happened in Genesis, but Jesus believed that this story I'm about to tell you today was real. And we believe Jesus to be real because here's why we believe Jesus to be real. This is a whole other sermon. We believe Jesus to be real because we believe anybody that can predict his own death and resurrection and then pull it off, we should listen to that dude. Okay, And so that's why we believe it. So Jesus believed these people were real. Now, if you still don't, I get that. I understand that. It's hard to believe. And at times in my life, I've been shaky on it. But even if you don't to believe it, here's the thing. It is an amazing insight into humans. This is an amazing thing. This story is ancient, 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 ancient. So old that here's what I believe. Even if you're not sure that you believe that God is behind this, I believe it's inspired, but even if you're not sure that you do, I know there are people listening online, people here today that aren't sure they believe it. This guy is so smart, and he wrote it so long ago, I believe you should read everything he said. <laughs> because this is so important to your life. So with all that said, I, I want to tell you, he, he paints a picture of Adam and Eve in the garden. And he says this, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. So you've got Adam and Eve. God blessed them and he said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky. I've been saying that because I'm trying to fish at Shackamack and I keep going, hey, I'm ruling over you. Get on my hook. It's not working. Um, Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every creature that moves on the ground. So this picture, I love this. I love this. It's brilliant. The picture of the beginning of earth. I believe it's from God. I believe this story is from God. Even if you don't believe it is, it's brilliant to believe this. Here's what, here's what it is. God says, I want you to live in the garden. This is the way I want the world to look. You live in the garden, you make babies, and just be. And guess what? You have one rule. 
You have one rule in your life. Don't eat from that tree. So I want you to know today, those of you who think that church and that God is about rules, that his, his thing, his whole deal is about rules, maybe your parents wanted you to believe in God and they tried to raise you that way and for you it was all about rules. You need to know it's not with God. With God, when things are the way they sh- should be, when they're the way they're supposed to be, there's one rule. And the only reason there's really one rule is to, to say, God needs to say, hey, I'm in charge, okay? So he tells Adam and Eve, I'm in charge, don't eat from that tree. It's a pretty easy rule. It's a pretty simple rule, but you know the story. They do. They eat from the tree, this one tree that God has said no. And look at this. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. They hid from God among God's garden. If if you were going to hide, you wouldn't hide in the place from the guy that you made mad. People who do dumb things and make big mistakes, they just seem to keep doing dumb things, you know? And this is what happens to Adam and Eve. So they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden, but look at this. Now, I don't know why you came today, and my sermon's about something else, but this may be the reason you're here today, is to hear what I'm about to say. But the Lord called to the man. So look at this in the midst of the biggest sin in history. There's only one thing that Adam and Eve can do wrong in the whole world. Can you imagine that? If all of your life there's only one thing you could do wrong, wouldn't you stay away from it? Only one thing they could do wrong, Adam and Eve did it. And God went looking for them. Not to put put them over his knee and discipline them, but to love them. And you need to know right in here, right now, God's looking for you. Today, now, maybe, maybe you're thinking, I don't know about this God thing. I, it doesn't matter whether you believe in him or not. He believes in you, and he's looking for you. Just like he did Adam and Eve. And here's what Adam and Eve did. We do it too. The man answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. He hid. He just kind of, he just tried to get away from the truth. He tried to get away from God. God said, who told you that you were naked? God knew there was a who involved here. Who told you that we were naked? Who told you to be, feel guilty? Who told you to feel guilty? One thing we say around here a lot, and if you come back to that room to pray with me after church, I'll say this to you. If you're overcome with guilt in your life to the point where it's starting to hurt your self-esteem, if you've done something in your life that is causing you guilt, I say this every time, and you, you've, many of you have heard me say this, you're going to nod your head. Guilt doesn't come from God. If you're feeling guilty today, you need to know it's not God that's making you feel that way. Now, does God prompt you a little bit to make the right decision? Yes. When you make the wrong decision, does God say, hey, look over here, this is, this is the right one, and see the consequences of the old one? Yes. But guilt, that feeling, that, I, I, that regret, and that just awful feeling that causes low self-esteem and causes you to be down on yourself, is not from God. And God says, who, call, who told you you were naked? Who made you guilty like this? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And here's what Adam said. Those of you who know this, know this well. Yes, God, I have eaten from the tree. It was all my fault. It wasn't anybody else's fault, God. I ate from the tree. And by the way, don't blame Eve because she had nothing to do with it. She's completely innocent, right? Is that what God said? And if you get, somebody's laughing next to you, it's because they grew up with this story and it's not, it's not the way it went. It's not at all the way it went. The man said, look at this. The woman, 
That's the way he starts it. God says, hey, Adam, what just happened here? You had one thing that you, you had to stay away from and you couldn't do it. And Adam starts his sentence with, the woman, you put me here. He blames God in three words. He blames two people in three words. The woman you put me here with. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. God, it's your fault and it's her fault. In fact, God, I'll tell you what. If you and Eve would get together and figure this whole thing out, come back to me with a good apology, I'll cool down a little bit. Maybe I'll forgive you, God and Eve, because it's your fault. Now, here's the thing. It's funny, but there's a really odd thing about Adam's statement. He's right. He's right. God put Eve there, and Eve kind of helped Adam make this decision, and so in a way, he's right. It's part of the truth. It's part of the story. But it's not the whole story. And that's what you do. That's what I do with our past. When somebody asks us, hey, so what happened to your, what happened to your marriage? I'll tell you what happened. He started drinking, and it all went downhill from there. He fell in love with the bottle. It's all his fault. Oh, yeah? See, here's the thing. If you tell that story enough times... If you continue to tell that story and you tell that story and you tell that story and you tell that story, you begin to believe that's the whole truth. If you keep saying, it was him, it was him, it was her, it was my boss, see, here's the whole thing about my boss. Everyone knows about the boss. He's a jerk, he's awful, everyone hates him. It's all his fault. If you tell enough people that and you say it enough times, you'll start to believe that he owns the whole part of the problem and you don't. And here's the problem with that. You will drag it in to your future. You will drag the same mistakes that you made that you will not hold yourself accountable for because you're blaming somebody else for 100% when you have a piece of the problem. You will drag it into your future every time. And you will sabotage your own future by not owning your part of the problem. Many of you just want to Get up here and run, don't you? Because you know it. The Lord said to the woman, what is this you've done? The woman said, um, well, everybody else has been blamed. There's no more humans on earth. Um, the snake. It was the snake. And so the blame game just continues. You probably know where I'm going today with this, but I'm going there anyway. We're going to dig up some things in your life because... We believe this is what, the way God intends for us to, to look at our past, to evaluate it clearly. And here's what we know about blame. Maybe you didn't know this about blame, but if you're blaming someone today, even if it's mostly their fault, even if you've told people for the last 15 years that it's all of their fault, you cannot blame your way into a better future. You can blame your way into the future, but you can't wait, blame your way into a better future. Here's the other thing. Blame enables us to smuggle our baggage and our issues into the future. I just told a friend of mine this who's going through a divorce. Terrible divorce. I just said, listen, now's the opportunity for you to have a good second marriage. Like, what a minute, I'm not even dating right now. Yeah, now. Now's the opportunity for you to start to build your next marriage. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I, here's what I mean. I was, pre- I was preparing this sermon, and it was at the Mexican restaurant. All my bad 
conversations happen at the Mexican restaurant. And I, I just said, hey, listen, this is, this is your opportunity to build your next marriage. What do you mean by that? Well, you need to look and see what you did wrong in the first one. Wait a minute. And she put her chip down. <laughs> Wait a minute. It was him. What do you mean? What do you mean fix my next marriage? What do you mean find out what's wrong with me? What do you mean what, did I, what mistakes did I make? And I said, I'll tell you what I mean. And I, I, I thought about saying this or not today, and I knew my wife wasn't going to be here, so I decided to go ahead and say it. <laughs> she don't listen to me online. But, man, I'm still making mistakes in my second marriage that I made in the first one. Hate it. And when I see it, it drives me nuts. And it's partially because I did this. Now, I, I, this breaks my heart to tell you this today, but I want to tell you because I'm hoping you get this out of your own life. So don't make me waste my own embarrassment today, okay? I've been divorced, and my wife left me for a man she met on the internet. I was in ministry. She was gone. She got up and left. I came home one day. All of her bags were on the front porch, and I didn't hear from her again. She was marrying a guy from San Antonio that she met on the internet. She couldn't, didn't have time to tell her side of the story. All the people that we knew, I got to tell the story. Everyone we knew asked John, what happened? And I could 100% in my mind tell the truth. I came home. I came home one day and all her bags were on the front porch. She met another man and she went to San Antonio. And everybody went, oh. And something happened when everybody went, oh, John, I'm so sorry for you. At that moment, my story got really good. You know how my story wouldn't have been so good? If I'd have said, when they said, John, what happened to your marriage? If I'd have said, I work too much. I put ministry and work in front of my marriage. And she, she just was I wasn't there for her. And then she met somebody, and she made her mistakes, and I made my mistakes, and, and it's gone, and we both have this share and this problem. If I'd have told that story, I wouldn't have got TVs from people. People were bringing furniture and TVs and stuff to my house because she, her dad came, and they loaded up all of the stuff, which all belonged to her because I didn't have anything, and she took it with her. And so I'm, here I am sitting in the a, in a middle of a living room with nothing around me and all these church people around going, poor John. He just came home one day and she left him and he didn't do anything. And I kept telling the story and my mom called. She said, what's the story? And do you think I could tell my mommy that I had a problem? Do you think I could start that story with I wasn't there? Do you think I could start that story with mom, you wouldn't believe the mistakes I've made? No, my story was she left me. And you've done it. You've done it too. When somebody says, hey, what happened over at your job? I heard you left. Yeah, man, they, I, I told them one day, and in the back of your mind you're going, I got fired because I'm lazy. I told them one day, I'm out of here. I don't have to put up with this. And let me tell you, that boss, everybody hates that boss. He, he had it in for me since day one. And you, what you're not saying is, I was lazy. I took four days off in a row, called them sick days and played golf, two of them. You don't tell that story because it's not a good story, is it? It's not a good story, so you don't tell that story, but this is how you take the junk in your life that you have messed up on into your next thing. Can somebody nod or breathe or tell me that they get this today? Thank you, because this is who we are. Let's say it. 
and let's stop it. Some of you are 70 years old and have brought the same stupid mistakes into your relationships, your jobs, your neighbors, everything you're doing now that you started when you were 13 because you keep looking at it blaming somebody else. And you will never be happy if you keep smuggling the junk from your past into your future. Blame sets us up for a repeat performance. So don't be surprised. Here's the way Jesus said it. Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart. Some of you right now are going through this starting over thing, whether it's a job, whether it's a house, whether it's a relationship, whatever it is, you're going through this starting over thing, and you're going, I just don't know what the right thing to do is. I don't know who's right. I, I think this guy looks really good, and then I think this girl, and then I think, or maybe you go, man, this job looks great, but I just don't know about that, and... How do I know what's right? Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see the godly thing. They will see the right way. If you can be pure with the way you're thinking and with your heart. If you can look back and go, this is what is true of my past. So here's what God says. Jesus says this over and over. If you can't be honest about your past, how do you expect to be clear about your future? Some of you are going, I don't know what God wants for me. John, what's God's will? God's will is for you to own it. For you to look back at your past and go, you know what, it was me. I did it. And maybe they have more of the blame. or my, But I'm going to take ownership for my stuff so I don't smuggle it into my next mistake. So i got some homework for you. Here's the thing I hate, about one of the things I hate about church. I'm just going to say it right now. Not necessarily this church, but at times this church and this preacher. Say some things like this, and then we walk out of here, and everybody goes, mm-hmm, 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 John. Normally what I hear is, John, they needed to hear that today. (laughs) And then all of they walk right out that door, and nothing changes. In fact, some of you are here today going, man, let me out of here. (laughs) Because I like to go to a church where you don't hear anything that challenges you. I like to go to a church where you don't, really, um, you don't really understand anything the preacher's saying. And that way you can leave and like get credit for enduring a terribly boring service. And that's kind of what church is, right? You just get credit from God from doing boring things. No, that's not what God wants from you. He wants you to hear truth about your life and make a change that will bring you the peace you're looking for. So today, I'm going to ask you to do homework, and I'm not going to ask you to wait till Tuesday to do this. Do it today, before lunch if you can, because I know you. By 6 o'clock tonight, you'll go, whew, I'm glad that whole thing went away, because I was starting to feel like I needed to make some major changes, and it was going to be hard, and it was going to be embarrassing and emotional, I was going to have to go back, and now it's 6 o'clock, and that whole thing went away, and I don't even remember what he said really anymore. I want you to do this now. Do this soon. Here it is. Very simple. I want you to draw a circle on a page. You don't have to be a good artist. I want you to draw a circle, and I want you to draw the peace. Maybe maybe you've got a bad marriage. Maybe you've got a a bad job. Maybe whatever it is that you need to start over in your life. Maybe you just got this baggage you can't seem to get over. I want you to draw a circle on a page and write, draw in the piece of the pie that you own in that problem. Now, it never looks like this. (laughs) Like, it's half my... Can you imagine that story? Man, I heard you're going through an awful thing. Yeah, It's really half and half. Half of it's my fault and half of it's their fault. Have you ever heard someone say that? Never. I promise you, no matter how bad the situation is and whose fault it is, they never say, 
it's just pretty much half and half. We're equally to blame, and we'll learn from our mistakes. No. And you probably won't do this. In fact, next slide, you probably won't even do this. This is a quarter of the way. You don't have somebody go, you know what, it was an awful situation, bad for both of us, and I had a little bit to blame. It was like 25% of my fault. So usually it looks more like this, Tanya. That's what about what it looks like. Now, if I'm going to eat a piece of pie, I want it much bigger than that. But I'll take this. I, I, want, I want to know your sliver. What's your sliver of this pie in that broken relationship? What's your sliver in this pie when you lost your job? What is just your percentage of the problem with your neighbor that just keeps bugging you and keeps, it's just, it's all them and they're just jerks and they mean and it's just, what, is, what part of it is you? I'm going to ask you this today, but here's the thing. Leave that up there, Tanya. Well, go back one. Sorry. Here's what I've learned about this. Please stay with me. You're mad at me, I know, but stay with me. The big purple part there, the big, this is just hugely true every time I've seen this. The big purple part there, the, the bigger that part is, the worst possible thing you can go through in your life, the worse the story is, the harder it is for you to own your sliver. But the more important it is for a couple reasons, for you to get past it and for you to do better next time. So maybe you're thinking, yeah, but my situation's so bad, John, you don't even understand. I'm saying even more for you today. Here's some things about your sliver that I want you to consider. The more painful the big part of your pie is, the less likely you will own it. So do it before lunch, because it will go away. But if you don't own it, listen to me, if you don't own your part of the problem, your sliver will get smuggled into your future. It will affect your kids. It will affect your future relationships. It got quiet in here because you know it. You know it. You know this is true. You know this is human nature. You have seen it in your life. So now I'm going to ask you, what in the world are you going to do with this? Because now that you know it, now it's on you. Here's a few things that happen when you own your sliver. I've seen this happen so many times. It happened to me. When you own it, when you say, I, part of that's me, it takes energy away from your story. In fact, do you know how many times I told the story of my divorce? And it started with, I mean, I got really good at this too. Well, she met a man on the internet. I mean, I could cry at just the right time. Well, I came home and I would, and you've, some of you have heard me tell it like this. Well, I came home and there her bags were right there on the porch. I'd even do this. There her bags were right there on the porch. I got real good at it. It's a good story. It's a really good story. And you know how much energy it takes away from it when I go, yeah, a lot of it was my mess. And I was young and I did some dumb things. I remember when I had to go back to my mom and say, Mom, there are things I never told you that I did. When, and when you see my ex around Bloomington, you need to know that I haven't told you the whole truth. And the energy just goes out of John's story. But you know what else happens? The temperature goes down in my story as well, in me. And that anger, that frustration, that 
for me, I used to think I was still in love with her, and it wasn't that. It was like this thing. I was starting to believe my story, and I had been messed over, and nobody was going to do that to me, and I would grit my teeth like I'm doing right now. I would get so mad, and then I'd go to bed at night, and I couldn't sleep, and I couldn't forgive her, and I couldn't move on, and I couldn't do anything. And then all of a sudden, I said, you know what? I've got to own some of this. And as soon as I do that, it takes the energy out of my story. It's not so poor John anymore, but it also took the temperature down in me. And when it did, I could start to go, you know what? It's okay. I did some things. She did some things. Let's get over it. Some of you still aren't over the junk in your life. And part of it's because you've been telling half the story and not owning what's yours. It allows you to see things more clearly. It just does. Jesus said, those who are pure in heart see God. They see the godly things better. And it helps you ensure that next time won't be like last time. Here's the thing. Band, you can come up. Here's the thing. I, I love, I just love you. Eight years we've been doing this thing together and you've heard some terrible sermons and you still love me. And here's the thing. I, I love my kids and if I'm going to talk to my kids about this thing, I, I want their future right. I don't want them smuggling in and I don't want you smuggling things in from your past. So don't expect that next time will be better just because you want it to be. Stop hiding. Draw your sliver today and own it. I want to do something, and Chris, you can just, you can tinkle if you want to over there, whatever you want to do. Actually, please don't tinkle, but you can play your guitar. You can just play your guitar, that'd be good. That'll sound good on the internet. Um, so I wrote these things down, and I was going to stand, sit on a stool to make this like, Dad's going to talk to you. But here's the thing. I, I, know, I know what you're doing right now, and some of you have co- totally tuned me out. So I've actually come up with some scenarios. Did this for you, just to make you a little bit madder than I already have. Things that probably God wants to lay on your heart today, maybe about your story. Things like this. You know, my, that, me- that was a mess but I'm going to own my part. Maybe I stayed too long. Maybe I enabled somehow. Yeah, it was a mess, and, but my sliver is that I just stayed too long. Maybe it's, I was greedy. Maybe the, the finances, yeah, I, I, I had to go bankrupt, and yeah, the economy got really bad, and I, I lost my job because they just had it in for me from the beginning, but the truth is I charged up too much because I was greedy. I wanted it and I wanted it now. Maybe it's I was lonely. I knew, I knew it wasn't the right decision. I knew he wasn't the right guy. I knew she wasn't the right girl. I, I thought time was running out and I was, I was just lonely. I made a bad choice. How about I was jealous. Everybody around me seemed to be going to get theirs. Everybody seemed to have the big house, seemed to have the big car. So I just started charging it, thinking that I'll get mine eventually, and now I I was just jealous. Should have confronted them earlier. You know, I knew the I knew the rumors, I saw the things, I saw the little maybe I should have confronted them earlier. But I was just scared, just embarrassed. Here's one. It was just lust. All right, pure lust. There was never love there. There was never relationship there. It was just lust, and I had a part in that. 
Here's a big one. For those of you who are students, school, high school, teacher didn't just fail me. It didn't just have it out for me. It wasn't just me. It wasn't just too hard. I didn't do my best. At work, I didn't, I didn't just get fired because the boss didn't like me. I, I just, I, I wasn't, I didn't do my best. I can do better than that. I should have left, but I was embarrassed. I lied to myself. And then this is the last one. I didn't listen to the people around me who know me best and love me most. My mama said, no, you shouldn't, and I did it anyway. My dad said, man, you need to rethink that, but I just, I had already made the decision, and I didn't want to think about it because I knew if I thought about it, it might sabotage the decision that I'd already made in my head. Whatever it is, you will not believe the freedom that comes with owning it right here, right now. I'm going back to that room, and I would love to pray with you today. It's just between you and God today, and maybe another person, I don't know. But I'm going back to that room, I would love to lead you to it. I can tell you what I'm going to tell you. Own it. I would love to pray with you today. As we stand and sing this today, I'm going to give you a chance to just to say to God, I own it. And maybe some of you are sitting here today going, John, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any of these things in my life, and I've never done anything wrong. If you're seriously a follower of Jesus today, I want you to stand and say, God, what do I need to own? And let him speak to you today. Would you stand with us and sing?